Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Wonderful. Um, we have the wonderful Iris, who's going to be preaching for us this morning. Um, I'm excited too. Uh, I'm going to pray for Iris um, as she opens the Word of God with us. Lord Jesus, we just thank you um, for Iris. Lord, we thank you. Lord, for all that you've uh, put inside of her, Lord, all that you have uh, done in her life and continue to do, Lord, we thank you for the blessing that she is to so many in the room, um, Lord, and we thank you for uh, the depth of her relationship with you, and Lord, we just pray that as she opens your word with us, that Lord Jesus, we would have ears to hear all that you have for us this morning, and that Lord, we have humility to sit under your word in Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Good morning, everyone. You can hear me. It's working. Great. Um, so as Rich said, my name's Iris, um, and uh, I should probably let you know that part of the reason I'm preaching today on mental health and faith is because I'm a psychiatrist. So that's a doctor of mental health, for anyone who doesn't know, and I'm part of the pastoral care team. Um, so I think we've picked this topic because mental health and well-being have gained a lot more interest in recent years. And the last sort of year and a half, two years, have been particularly difficult. You know, we've been through this pandemic where life has been turned completely upside down. We've... Oh, gosh, I've just changed my timer. Oh, that's dear. Mm, dear. I don't know. Ah, I need that. Oh, scrap the timer. Um, we, yeah, uh, so life has turned upside down. We've lost control over things we, didn't, we thought we had control of. We've had to second-guess who we would normally hug without even thinking about it. We've had to evaluate all sorts of different different risks and do tests and then there's so many people have struggled financially as well and all of these things have put huge pressure on our mental health and the stats show that rates of illness are rising Um, and then there's so many different messages we get out there about what is good for our mental health what we should be doing about it things like setting boundaries doing self-care and exercising regularly or there's lots of different messages about believing in yourself because you are good enough and be whoever it is you want to be. I think some of this stuff is good, but some of it we just have to be careful of. And if you're here today as a believer, you know that scripture is the foundation of our life. It's what we build our life upon and our life flows from that. We don't make scripture fit the world's message. So with all the noise that's going on around it, I'd say just weigh it all up against what the Bible says because that is first and foremost our, our foundation. So this is a huge topic that I definitely can't cover completely today. I might leave you with more questions than you start with. Um, Feel free to come and ask me at the end. Um, But what I'm going to talk about is a few of the causes of mental illness um, and then look at some principles that I think help us all when dark days come, whether that reaches the threshold of mental illness or not. But a caveat to that is that I think some of the things I talk about today might not feel very manageable for someone who is in very severe mental illness, such as psychosis, which is where reality is completely distorted, or in very severe depression, and they probably need medical help before any of this feels manageable. So the first thing I want to do then is looking at the causes. Hopefully my slide will come up. Um, Because I think there are many different opinions that we'd get in this room if we surveyed it about the different causes of mental illness. Some of them can be along the line of, oh, it's, it's all very spiritual, or it can be all just very medical, or even you don't have enough faith. Um, And I think none of those kind of extremes of views really give credit for what the word says about mental illness. Um, And it's actually really nuanced. It's usually caused by many different things. Um, 
So if we have, I've got some scriptures up here. I'm not going to go into detail upon them. So if you want to have a look uh, in your own time, feel free. Um, but here's some things that, where the Bible mentions mental illness. So in 1 Kings 19 verses 4, um, Elijah, who was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, has been threatened by Jezebel with death. She is chasing him and pursuing him. And after the, as that's happening, Elijah cries out to God, wishing he was dead. He becomes suicidal. Um, and all of that has come out of the circumstances he's in and the exhaustion he's experienced and the isolation that he's in. And then if we look at Jonah, um, so the book of Jonah, uh, in it, Jonah is told to do something and he doesn't do it. He disobeys God. Um, and he gets to a point of, again, wishing that he was dead. And I think in this case, Jonah's heart is not aligned with God and um, his his mental anguish at that point has come out of his own disobedience. Then in 1 Samuel 16 verses 4, it talks about Saul being tormented by an evil spirit. I think sometimes mental illness can, um, or spiritual possess, demon possession can mimic mental illness, but this is the rarity rather than the norm. Um, and if you are worried about that, please will you speak to one of our elders, either Steph, Rich or Malcolm, before doing anything about that. And then Hebrews 12, verses 15, talks about bitterness taking root in us. And then also we have science. So science has told us that our brain chemistry goes wrong, drugs and alcohol cause mental illness, and so do things like trauma. So all of these things are all encompassed in the different causes of mental illness. But underlying all of it is the fall and sin. So if we go back to the story of creation and, and when the fall happened in Genesis... So God originally created us in perfection um, and in complete bliss. You know, the Garden of Eden was the best place to be. Um, we had perfect relationship with each other and with God, and there was no sickness. Um, but then Adam and Eve disobeyed the one thing God said, and they brought sin into the world. And sin is just when we disobey God. And when sin came into the world, the world was cursed, and that's when sickness came. It brought with the curse brought with it death, difficulty in relationships with each other and with work. And we now live in that world that is broken. So our bodies are subject to that death and decay. And so under, underlying all of sickness is sin, whether that's our own sin, sin against uh, sin that's been done against us, or actually just the result of living in a world that is under the oppression of sin. And sin also separates us from God. It stops us being able to come into his presence because he is perfection and anything that is not perfect can't be around a perfect and holy God. Um, and I'm sure many of us have tried to live perfect lives to try and be good enough and uh, be able to kind of tick the boxes to get to heaven. But actually, it's not possible. We all slip up at times. But God didn't leave us there. God, in his great kindness, sent, sent himself down as Jesus to come and take on the punishment that sin deserves and to break the oppression of sin over us. He died on that cross to take that punishment. And in, through his death, we have conquered. We have conquer? We're, we've conquered death through him. And we have that freedom over sin. And we're then presented with a choice of whether we choose to accept Jesus as our saviour and the one who um, enables us to be washed clean of sin and to give us eternal life. Um, or we can choose to keep going our own way and follow whatever we want to do, which ultimately the Bible says that leads to death. 
But if you're here today as a believer and you've repented and accepted Jesus' sacrifice, you are cleansed from sin, you are free from that ultimate death, you stand righteous before God, but we do still get sick. No one here is immune from sickness. You know, lots of us have had COVID. Um, and that goes for mental illness as well. And this is because we live in that tension of the now and the not yet. We're still living in this world that is subject to death and decay. So our bodies are still subject to illness. And that means our physical bodies and our mind and emotions. Just like a heart attack can be caused by genetics or lifestyle choices or stress, so can mental illness be caused by all of those things. Um, And many great Christians have also suffered from it, including Charles Spurgeon, who many of you will really read his work and admire his words. So he said, God's people sometimes walk in darkness and see no light. There are times when the best and brightest of saints have no joy. Depression of spirit is no index of declining grace. The very loss of joy and the absence of assurance may be accompanied by the greatest advancement in spiritual life. So if we, we suffer from illness, just like everyone else does, then we can also get help from healthcare. And I think it's important to say that it's okay if you need to go and see a GP or take some medication um, or get some therapy. From my time at work, I've seen people get better through taking medication and having therapy to process the past. But I have also seen people who've done all that and they continue to suffer because they live under lies and don't have any truth to base their foundation on. And that's what we have that's different. It's things like, how do you have hope when your loved one's died and you have no answer for death? And how can you forgive others when you don't know how much you've been forgiven yourself? Or how can you have value and worth if you don't meet society's standards unless your creator tells you that you have it? And it's these things that I feel make all the difference that we have that's different to the world. So how do we respond in times of being mentally unwell? Let's have a look at Matthew 22, verses 36 to 37. It should come up. So Jesus is asked by a Pharisee, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. So from this passage, I think we can see that we're made to engage God with all our heart, soul, and our mind. Um, And we're called to worship him with all of those things. It's the greatest commandment. And I think if you take a bit of that out, you've lost a part of who God has made us to be. Um, And there are several scriptures which talk about the different emotions that God experiences. He experiences joy, compassion, sorrow. And we experience emotions too because we're made in his image. But the thing about God's emotions is they always have the right context, whereas ours don't always have that. And they can get skewed by our own sin, like our pride and selfishness. But I think what can happen in Christianity sometimes is that we can create an unhelpful separation between our emotions and our our body and our mind and how we engage with God. I think we can either become too emotion-led, making decisions out of how we feel, or things like um, feeling like God has left you because you don't feel him anymore. Um, Or then we can go the other way where we just engage God, God only with our head and just forget all about our emotions or ignore them altogether. I don't think either of those is really where God is calling us to be, but it's somewhere much more in the middle. So with that in mind, let's read Psalm 77. Um, So Psalm 77 is a psalm of lament, and the lamenting psalms make up the most amount of psalms in the Bible, which I think is really interesting, because the the psalms of lament, they express really deep emotions to God, and they bring confusion and questions to him. 
And I think with this, God is giving us a pattern of how we should be responding to him with how we feel. So it says, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all of your works and meditate on all of your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So if we break this down a little bit, in verses 1 to 4, we see that the psalmist is crying out to God. He is speaking deep emotions and distress to God. He states about how he can't be comforted. He stretches out untiring hands and his spirit grows faint. He even gets to the point where he's just too troubled to speak. And there's a real rawness in his emotions that comes out in the poetic language here. And he's speaking it directly to God. He's not just ignoring it or distracting himself. He's speaking it really loud and clear. And I think some of the things that the psalmist talks about here can also be experienced within mental illness. Things such as uh, weariness, trouble sleeping, difficulty enjoying life, and having persistent anxiety. You could maybe argue that at this point he's suffering from a mental illness. And then in verses 5 to 9, he starts to question. He brings all of his questions to the table, really big questions about God's character, his love, his promises. Um, And in verses 7 and 8, it says, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his promise failed for all time? And it feels here like the psalmist feels like the presence of God has gone. And this is something that can be often experienced when people have depression, a real sense of disconnect from the loved ones around them and from God himself. And when we're in emotional turmoil, be that anxiety, depression, or just in a state of severe stress because of life circumstances, or maybe even early psychosis, these questions that the psalmist brings are often the one that we have. Maybe you've got questions today about where God is in your situation, about, or about how you feel. I think what the psalmist is doing here is really important for our mental health. He's not just distracting himself or burying them, but he's really speaking it out to God and bringing it to God. Um, We live in a world where there's just so many distractions. There's 
endless list of them, be it TV or food or relationships, work, hobbies, the list just goes on. And we know in lockdown that subscriptions to Netflix and things just skyrocketed. We love to be distracted because it's hard to face the emotions and how you feel. And I'm not saying that we should be doing it all the time and constantly introspective and assessing every little thing we do, but actually there is a time for us to come to God with how we feel and with the questions we have about what's going on in life. And I think if we don't do that and we just bury it, it will just pop up at some other time in a more unhealthy way or it blocks our spiritual growth. So I think this lamenting example that we have here is a biblical way in how we can do that. Um, the psalmist brings his emotions and he questions and God is big enough to handle those things and he wants us to bring them to him. As I was preparing this, I felt like maybe there were some people who felt that if they started to let it all go and started speaking to God about this sort of thing, they might just completely fall apart and never come back together again. And maybe it will take longer than you think to find resolution, but God won't leave you there. In Psalm 147 and Isaiah 61, it says that God heals the brokenhearted and he binds our wounds. Our God is the greatest physician. He's a far better doctor than I will ever be. And he's a far better counselor than, counselor than I would also ever be. He wants to bind up your broken heart and heal those wounds. And he's gentle and he's kind and the Holy Spirit is our helper. But we have to bring them to him first. Unless we bring them to him, that, that won't happen. Then for the rest of the psalm, we see the psalmist calling on himself to remember. Oh, sorry, I'm just checking my time. Um, in verses 12, he says, I will consider all of your works, all of your mighty deeds. And he's looking back to what God has done and declaring the truth of what God has done over himself. I think this is probably back in his own life and also from what he's read in the scriptures at that time. In verse 15, he talks about God's great redemption. In 16 onwards, he uses a strong poetic language to talk about the awesomeness and mightiness of God when he parted the Red Sea for the Israelites. And all throughout this, he's calling himself to remember and to remind himself of the goodness of God and his promises. Then in verse 20, it talks about God being a shepherd who tenderly cares for his flock. The psalmist is remembering that he's not, God is not distant and far off, but he's intimately involved in our welfare, even if he doesn't feel it at that point. And you'll notice this pattern in many of the other psalms of lament. The psalmist first cries out, expressing those deep emotions to God. And then he starts questioning and seeking comfort, but doesn't necessarily always get it straight away. But then they always turn themselves back to reminding themselves of the promises of God and the goodness of God. And the Bible is full of stories of God's goodness and miraculous work in the lives of people who are far from perfect, just like us. And it's a really long love story of God drawing people back to him. And if you're here today as a Christian, it's part of your ancestry. All these stories you read about, they're our ancestry. And these are the things that we can turn our eyes back to to remember, as well as the things in our own lives. And I firmly believe there is so much that we can stand on in the word. It is, really is a solid rock that we can build our life upon, just like Jesus said. And if we build anything else it, upon anything else, it will be like shifting sand that just comes out from under us. And there's things like, there's lots of wisdom in the Bible, things, practical things about having Sabbath rest and being in community, to also the strong promises that we have, that we are forgiven and washed clean and that we have worth and value in him. 
But just like the psalmist, we need to turn our eyes back to those promises. I'm not saying that's easy, and please don't hear me wrong. I don't want this to come across as something, another tick box that we should do, but actually that this is... This is how we find hope and comfort within the times of mental turmoil and that God is really kind and compassionate and gentle towards us and he wants to meet with us in that way. So the final scripture I want to look at is Romans 12 verses 2. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think as we spend more and more time in the word of God, um, focusing on his promises, allowing his truth to go inside of us when we're in times of mental turmoil, then our mind becomes more and more transformed. Old ways of thinking, um, untruths about ourselves or the world around us or God get changed and are aligned with truth. And at the end of the lament, that's what I think the psalmist is doing. He's allowing his mind to be renewed in line with the promises of God even if he doesn't feel them in that moment. And a few years ago, I was learning about CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy and something we use in the NHS. We have to take on a case as part of our psychiatry training. And as I was learning about the basic principles of it, of how our our emotions, our actions, and our behaviors, and our thoughts are all intertwined, and how we can't necessarily trust the things that we think or the way that we feel, CBT gets you to test out those thoughts and emotions by doing experiments and seeing if they're true or not. And as I was learning about that, I, was like, I felt like I'd already been doing that with God by allowing him to renew my, renewing my mind. Um, I'd been sitting with Holy Spirit and speaking to him about my anxieties, my insecurities, and allowing him to replace it with the truth of his word. And my mind was being renewed. And it's kind of what CBT tells you to do. I think it's really interesting how secular psychology has grasped something of the idea that our emotions and um, thoughts are not always aligned with truth. But I think we do need to remember that renewing our mind is a process. It's renewing. And it's not a quick spiritual fix. And I'm really not suggesting that it is a quick spiritual fix. But it's something that we do repeatedly over and over again each day, allowing God to go deep within us with his truth. There are Christians whom God miraculously heals from mental illness. And that is amazing and wonderful. And I would love to see more of that. And then there are some who it takes much longer. And there are some who it suffer, they suffer with it on and off their whole lives, just like Charles Spurgeon did. But actually, I think if we are able to praise God in the midst of difficulty, to hold on to his promises and say that he is still good, even if we don't always feel it in that moment, and to trust his promises, even if we're maybe not seeing them right there and then, we're allowing our mind to be renewed. If we make decisions out of based on what God says in his word rather than how we feel, we're allowing our mind to be renewed. And I said, this isn't easy at all, but we have the Holy Spirit as our helper to help us. It's not something we can do on our own at all. Spurgeon said, I believe all the promises of God, but many of them I have personally tried and proved. I would say to fellow Christians in their trials, my brethren, God is good. He will not forsake you. He will bear you through. Everything else will fail, but his word never will. Like I said, I don't think this is a quick spiritual fix for being mentally unwell or being struggling emotionally. But what we see here reflected in the lamenting psalm, in that in times of darkness, we have scriptures that anchor and tether us. They, they hold us because we belong to Christ. And we must choose to remember these things, allowing our mind to be renewed. When you're in darkness or despair or when disappointment is all around, 
when you're suffering from intense anxiety or even when reality is starting to get distorted. Clinging on to God's promises and living out of those is what we have as Christians. These things are sure, regardless of how we feel and what's going on us. And I can assure you that this makes such a difference. The amount of times I've sat in front of a patient and wanted to be able to share with them these things, I just can't count them on my hands, it's so often. It's the hardest bit of my job, not being able to go to that point. Because I think without, without Jesus, you can never have that wholeness. And we have healthcare as a gift, and um, medicine is a gift, and we should be using that for sure. But we should use it alongside all that we have in the Word. So in summary, there are many causes of mental illness which we see reflected in the Bible and through science. Um, we experience this too as believers, and you're no less of a believer if you're suffering from it at the moment or have in the past. We need to engage God with our emotions and allow him to heal them. He is the wonderful counselor and the best physician who wants to heal our broken hearts. And the Psalms of Lament give us a biblical example of how to do that. And then as believers in Jesus, we have a great inheritance and ancestry that we can draw on in times of difficulty. So alongside getting medical help if you need it, live under the banner of those sure, trustworthy and beautiful promises of God's. In Revelation 21 verse 4, it says there will be a day where we will no longer have any tears, there will be no more sickness, there will be no more mourning, and we have this to look forward to. So before I finish up, I just want to make sure I've got a couple of resources that I think are quite important, lots of people don't know about, hopefully it's coming up. So the top one is um, a mental health crisis line. You get them in every area of the UK. This is Camden and Islington's one. It's open 24-7. Anyone can call it for you or for a loved one. Um, and if you just Google whatever borough you're in, you'll find it. Um, it's kind of like calling 999, but for mental health. And then the GP, your GP or A&E is a place that you can go to if you need medical help as well. And then I think as well within a church, you know, we're part of a community, we're a family here, we have small groups. So if you're struggling, speak to people in your small group or your running partners or your um, GC leaders. Um, we want to do this together as family and we need to do it in community because it's hard to do on your own. And then we also have a pastoral care team. Well, I think most of them are out serving elsewhere. I was going to get them to stand up, but I don't actually think anyone is here. Is anyone here from pastoral care except we're, oh, there's a few of us. <laughs> um, and these are some of our emails that you can get on the website as well um, but feel free to contact us um, if you need to get any support around that um, so I'm going to just finish up with praying okay Father I thank you that you are so compassionate towards us and that you are so kind to us and that you've given your son Jesus to allow us to be in right relationship with you and to come and find healing before you. I thank you that you are the, um, you're the healer of our broken hearts and the binder of our wounds. I thank you that you've given us uh, scriptures to show us how to come to you with our emotions and that you've given us amazing promises to stand on despite what is going on around us. I pray that we will be able to stand firm on them and allow our minds to be renewed by you. I pray that we'll have the bravery and the, um, the vulnerability to be able to come to you with our hearts as well and to find victory in your healing and um, in your, your freedom over, in sin over us. Amen. Um, 
And just before I hand over to Rich, as I was preparing, I felt that there were maybe two particular things that God wanted to speak to. Some I kind of already mentioned them, but I said earlier about how I felt like there might be people here who felt like if they got before God and started to express things, they might just fall apart and never come back together again. Um, and I feel like this might be related to some sort of trauma that's happened in childhood. Um, but as I said, God is here to heal you, and he really wants to, you to find freedom through him. And then I also felt that there were maybe some people here who've wrestled with that sense of shame around maybe being less of a Christian because of having questions for God or difficult emotions or mental illness, um, and that maybe that kind of related to growing up in a home where emotions were seen as bad and mental illness as weakness. And I think if that is you here today, God wants to say that, that is, there's no shame around that at all, as we've just seen from the word. Um, it's full of different emotions, and he, he wants us to bring them to him. And I'm going to hand that back over to Rich. <laughs>